Hey, everybody. I am here today with Dan Brownsher, the president and CEO of Channel Key, and Kristen Whiteley. She's the director of corporate marketing at Channel Key. I'm going to be diving in. It's it's an exciting topic and one that, uh, you know, is not been explored a whole lot on this podcast, but diving into Amazon directly. You know, a big part of our podcast has been how do people survive in the age of Amazon? Um, and maybe the title of this podcast would be if, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, and really, how can you work with Amazon to grow your business? And um, you know, what should investors look for if they're going to invest in an Amazon company? Um, cover a little bit of that ecosystem. So Dan, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thrilled to have you. Um, I thought that the the real genesis of Channel Key was was neat. Can you tell us a little bit about what Channel Key does and then we can back up into how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Channel Key is a, a Las Vegas-based agency and we partner with uh, brand owners and manufacturers of products. Uh, and those could be uh, uh, consumer products or business products. And essentially what we do is we provide a full service solution to help them uh, create a best in class Amazon business. Uh, and that can mean a lot of different things to different people. Uh, but I guess the way we kind of simply put it is we will help build a strategic business plan for our clients based upon what they're trying to accomplish on the platform. Uh, and that can look different uh, based on, on, on who the brand is or the vendor is and what their goals are. And then uh, once we align on, on what that is and what it looks like and what the requirements are, um, they will hand over the, the keys to my team and we will actually execute uh, on that plan uh, and be their outsourced uh, team of, of, of experts and, 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 uh, and solution uh, providers. Wow, so you got an Amazon business, you wanna to take it to the next level, Channel Key helps get a strategy that makes sense for your brand to do that. Yeah, yeah. It could be uh, you've been on the platform for, for years and it's just flat for you and you're not getting the results and you need to supercharge it. It could be, uh, you know, we've got clients that, that, are, that are launching their brand and or products for the first time. Uh, and maybe they raised a bunch of money on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or, or one of those crowdsourcing sites and they, they literally want to create their business. Uh, so we, we work with folks of, of all shapes and sizes, walks of life from, you know, startups to, to Fortune 100 companies. It's, it's really interesting to see. And, you know, a lot of the problems that they're facing are similar in some cases and, and, and a lot of times they're different. Uh, so we see it. We see it. We see it all. And now you came into the Amazon world via building your own brand, right? Can you tell me a little bit about your story of how you uh, even just got into founding your own business and got yeah. where you the road you took to get to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's very relevant uh, because without it, you know, we wouldn't be able to position ourselves the way we do. Uh, and I hope after kind of explaining it, you'll understand why. So uh, about 11 years ago, uh, I co-founded another company called Trend Nation uh, with a couple buddies. Um, uh, we're all uh, Ohio State guys. So we all met at Ohio State in the business school. Uh, and, and essentially created this this e-commerce business um, really with the express reason to understand what it's like to sell stuff on the Internet. Um, and so we started doing that. We uh, 
started as a private label business. So we were sourcing uh, jewelry and, and wallets and money clips from China through Alibaba. So literally just going to Alibaba, finding manufacturers, bringing this product uh, in overseas, wiring money to people we've never spoken to before, uh, live or met in person. Uh, and then, you know, weeks later, we'd have boxes of, of, of women's jewelry and, and purse hooks and men's accessories show up on our doorstep. And uh, we started literally just selling that product on eBay, uh, building uh, listings, uh, fulfilling product uh, out of our basements. I mean, I had stacks and boxes of cufflinks, men's cufflinks in my basement and was literally every night uh, packing orders and then taking them to the post office the next day. Um, so uh, fast forward that business uh, to current day. Uh, it's still active. It's still thriving and growing. We've got about 50 people on staff, uh, actually also based in Las Vegas. And um, we are a, we, we've done about a quarter billion dollars in revenue through the Amazon platform alone. And so the genesis of Channel Key came out of Trend Nation. And, 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 and Lance, I don't know how specific you want me to get, but Trend Nation pivoted multiple times over the years. Uh, in response to the to the environment, which is ultimately what led us to to Channel Key. So I can go into that story, Lance, if you want me to, um, or we can keep it high level. I think that we'll probably come back to it because you know one of the big ideas that I think everybody wants to hear about is like what's happening with Amazon. Have you, and sometimes looking at those pivots in the past gives a little bit of an indicator of how you might have to pivot in the future. So oh. we'll save that as a teaser for, uh, you know, in the next 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you started Trend Nation, um, you know, had some good partners there, still, still have Trend Nation running strong. Then Channel Key came up. Um, now with, I, let's just jump directly into kind of what's happening on Amazon. Um, so on Amazon, there's just so much competition. And um, how has Amazon changed since you started 11 years ago? Uh, that's a really big question, Lance. And, and I guess I would say, how hasn't it changed? Uh, there's been so many things that have rolled out uh, over the years. Um, I, I guess like at the macro level, what, what Amazon uh, is and has done has removed a lot of the traditional layers of distribution uh, that you would find in a, in a retail business or a product-based company. So, you know, in the past, you'd go from manufacturer uh, to wholesaler to distributor to, to retailer, uh, and there might be some additional layers in between. And what Amazon has done is really removed all those interior layers. And essentially, you can be a manufacturer and, and, and be uh, selling very easily uh, directly to consumer. So I think one of the biggest changes is they've created that sort of platform and environment. Now, within the micro level of Amazon, I mean, the way they've gotten there is they've created assortment. Um, they created the Prime program and platform, and there's about 100 million Prime members in the United States alone right now, uh, each paying $120 a year. So you can you can do the quick math on that. Um They've created an unbelievable fulfillment network. And in my opinion, that is really the basis and infrastructure that's, that's created the value for consumers. Um, 
uh, on the platform. So, you know, I can buy anything I want um, at a, at a and, and in most cases at the best price and have it delivered to my doorstep in two days. And that is that that is the value driver in my opinion. So uh, from a, a brand and or seller standpoint or a vendor on the platform, the advent of FBA and or, or offering uh, Prime, so having Amazon do your fulfillment was a huge shift. Um, the uh, launching of a program called Brand Registry was really a signal to the market that Amazon uh, was leaning more towards protecting brands on the platform, mitigating counterfeits, uh, working with trusted trademark brands. I think that was a pivotal point on the platform, creating more trust with customers, but also letting brands actually leverage their equity uh, and, and own uh, their IP and control it as best as possible. Um, uh, one of the huge changes that occurred was the introduction of the advertising platform. Uh, you know, and that was not that long ago. I mean, it was four, three, four, five years ago. And the ad business for Amazon is has already exceeded $10 billion. It's unbelievable. It's one of the fastest growing business units inside of Amazon. And literally, it didn't exist five years ago, uh, at least at scale. It was in beta. And so, you know, Amazon's created this unbelievable infrastructure for consumers, but also for brands to access customers quickly and easily uh, and without having the traditional barriers and blocks to, to launching a business. And now you can advertise and drive traffic. And it's a huge revenue volume generated for Amazon, but it also for those that are performing, brands that are performing, you can outpace bigger brands if you know how to execute on the platform really well because that infrastructure is in place. Um, so those are just some, a, few of the, a few of the changes uh, at the micro and, and macro level. And there's a lot more that are, a lot more that is constantly happening. And, and there's some stuff on the, on the, in, in the near term and horizon that we're seeing that's, that could be really uh, disruptive in a lot of cases for brands and helpful for, uh, for uh, uh, those same brands as well. So the constant with Amazon is change. And that's part of the reason why we're around because it's, uh, it's complex and you've got to stay up to date on what's happening. Uh, because if you don't, uh, there's a good chance that, uh, you know, one of your competitors is going to uh, start uh, outpacing you on the, on the platform. No, that makes sense. Man, we're just dropping teasers all over the place. Wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> So one of the, you know, with all that change and from an investor standpoint, some, I look at some Amazon businesses, they can make me a little nervous, not because they're bad businesses, right? They have amazing margins, but they just change so fast, right? If I'm paying three to five times uh, annual earnings and I go, oh, shucks, is it going to be here in three years? So how do you look at these private, especially brands that are um, private label, how do you defend a private label brand? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, and when you say private label, are you talking about like an Amazon private label brand or are you talking about anybody that's developed a, a private label brand that's selling on the platform? Anybody that's developed a private label brand. So if we think of like Trend Nation, you guys started out and actually maybe the, the root question here would be, did you all have to pivot away from private label products and um, you know develop more proprietary products or is that's something you guys still do. Yeah. So actually what we did, Lance, is we started as a private label um, company, 
and pivoted away from that to becoming more of a distributor. So that makes sense. Branded merchandise that you can buy in Macy's and Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's. You know, we were working in the past with with Tommy Hilfiger and Kenneth Cole and Ted Baker and some really large brands in the SLG space. And um, we pivoted away from that model back to private label because we thought that was the most defensive strategy uh, that you could leverage on the platform. And, and the root of that is you need to be able to control your distribution, control your brand, control your pricing, control your merchandising. And the only way that you can do that is if you are the brand owner. So we think Amazon is a playground. Uh, if you want to be the most effective for folks that own their brand and that own their distribution. And so um, creating a long-term and sustainable business on Amazon, um, whether it's private label or whether it's, you know, somebody like a Perry Ellis, if you can effectively control your distribution, if you can effectively advertise and merchandise your assortment uh, better or as good as your competitors, and you can make good quality products where there's demand, um, you have a good defensible strategy. And if you can play into that the, the Amazon search algorithm and continually get your products to rank, uh, whether it's through ad spend or organically, you can have a long-term viable business, but you can't you can't sit on it. You've got to constantly iterate and be active and consuming the data that you're getting to the platform and making the necessary changes. Uh, so build good products, get good reviews, uh, advertise on the platform, merchandise your assortment, and continue to kind of monitor and iterate. And, and you've got a long-term viable business. I don't think Amazon's going anywhere. Uh, and in fact, I think it's, the adoption is just going to continue. So um, I'm very bullish on building brands on Amazon. Nice. Now, when I think of uh, building a great Amazon brand, it's a, a lot of the, the brands I've worked with have been off Amazon, kind of direct consumer on your own e-commerce site. Um, so when somebody comes to you guys and they say, we've got a brand idea, Channel Key, how can you help us get this brand launched successfully? Can you give me a high level overview of, the way you would approach uh, somebody who's at the idea phase or they've got the product already from the manufacturer, but yeah. this is really where, this is where they're testing it. They're gonna see if it actually sells. Yeah, so um, the way that we would approach it is like we would at Trend Nation, okay? So we would look at the infrastructure and really try to figure out all the key components that are gonna be required for the brand to be successful, okay? So one of those is fulfillment. How are you going to get the products to the customer's hand uh, most effectively, quickly, and within terms of service uh, and within the various account health metrics and operational KPIs that are put in place? Um, in order for a new brand to be successful on the platform, okay, so, so nobody's ever heard of the brand before, okay, so there's no direct brand searches, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, make up any brand you want. If nobody's ever heard of it before, nobody's searching for it. So the way that you're going to win on Amazon uh, is A, your operations have to be dialed in, which we just discussed, but B, you've got to win the search bar. Okay. And I think CNBC just rolled out uh, an article this week that, that said that 79% of consumers online that are ready to buy are doing so on Amazon. That's where they're starting their journey. And, and what they're doing is using the search bar on the platform, okay? So if I am a new brand, um, the way we would approach it is, is, is uh, 
by identifying the most relevant and primary search terms that a consumer would use to find their products, okay, that are not branded search because the brand has no equity. And we would um, put together a strategy and plan around how to rank and index for those particular keywords because it's, it's, it's guaranteed, okay, if you can get to the first page of search results for a search term that's got uh, a set of traffic and revenue volume behind it, you will generate sales, okay? That's just frankly how it works, okay? Something like 60, 60 to 70% of consumers don't go past the first page of search results on Amazon, okay? And a larger percentage don't make it past the, the top two, three uh, organic results. So literally, if we can identify the search terms and there's good volume for those terms and we can get your products to rank in the top three slots and or on the first page, you will generate sales, okay? So the question is, how do you do that? And what are the requirements? And in a lot of cases, if it's a high volume search term and there's a lot of competition, you gotta buy your way to the top, okay? You've gotta spend money. You've gotta get your product in front of eyeballs and you've gotta start driving traffic and conversions, okay? So ultimately the goal is you wanna rank organically. So you're not paying for these sales because that business doesn't scale long-term. Uh, but in the short term, if you're brand building, uh, you're going to have to buy the traffic. You're going to have to buy the business. And you, quite frankly, might be unprofitable for some period of time. So what we're finding is if, if, if a brand wants to launch in the platform, there's no equity built into that brand search. Uh, in a lot of cases, you better take a long-term approach and have some capital to uh, invest into uh, traffic driving uh, in order to be successful. So uh, that's how we would approach it. Infrastructure, operations, fulfillment, product positioning, advertising, and then building phenomenal product listings. Okay, product detail pages that are going to drive the highest conversion rate possible. Uh, and if you can do those three things, you got a good shot. That's exciting. So what I'm hearing too is if it's hard for you to break in as a new brand, the upside is it's also going to be hard for your competition, right? So that's right. You know, there's there's a little bit of value there, um, and the way I've been thinking, you can tell me your take on this analogy, but how just like uh, there's physical shelf space in, um, you know, if I go to Kroger or I go to Walmart or whatever, they, you know, there's physical shelf space at these retailers. That's right. And on Amazon, they, these search terms have a virtual shelf space. It's called page one. That's so, right. You know, staying on unless there's a whole new category created, um, then you really, you know, the the virtual shelf space doesn't increase. So you got to really fight for that position at the top of the shelf. Yeah, it's on, and, 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 and you know, it's a good it's a good reference. So we're dealing with an unlimited, an unlimited shelf, right? There's three. There's somewhere between four and five hundred million products in the platform. So we're dealing with unlimited with an unlimited shelf, but still the the concept applies and the analogy is right. We want to be either on the end cap or we want to be at eye level, right? And that's mm -hmm. page one, yeah. in the, uh, it's page one or in the top three slots. So that concept uh, still rings true for Amazon. Interesting. Now, you just mentioned getting your listing right. So what are if you're looking at a listing, um, what are some uh, – first, we'll start with some do's, but it would be great to hear some common errors that – I think even large brands, they can be extremely successful in retail, but haven't done anything yeah. in, on Amazon. So there's just little things that go wrong that you don't think of. So sure. I'd love to hear your rundown on uh, the way to make a great 
Amazon listing. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a few key components, um, and the first one I'm going to start with is is product imagery and and digital assets. Okay, so um, this is not a new concept, right? You know, these consumers are not going to the store, touching the fabric, trying on the on the shirt, uh, and and getting to have that experience uh, in person. Okay, so. The way that you can uh, get as close to possible to that experience is by having good digital assets. Okay, so product photography has to be very crisp, very clear. Uh, it's got to be within Amazon's guidelines, which there are many as it relates to photography. Okay, but the, the goal is we want to have very defined product shots. We want to have very solid lifestyle shots so we can actually get the consumer to envision themselves using the product, uh, the way it's intended to be used. Um, you know, and a lot of this is category dependent, but we need to understand size and scale and specifications. So uh, we want the consumer to be able to get comfortable and understand the key callouts and value drivers of the product just based off of the images, okay? So, um, you know, I guess an example for me is recently I was in the market for a wine fridge. Okay, so when I'm looking for a wine fridge on Amazon, you know what? I would love to go to the store and, and try and pick one out and see it and touch it and feel it. But you know what? There's just not the assortment. I want the options. So what do I care about in a wine fridge? Well, I want to know the size. I want to see the drawers. I want to see the mechanics. I need to understand the dimensions. So, you know, put the product at scale, put it in use, help me visualize what it's actually going to look like in my kitchen. Okay. Uh, and, and if you can do that, you can be successful. There's also product videos that are that is an option for brand registered consumers. So um, the, the, I guess the, uh, the most simplified way I would, would explain it is make sure the consumer can buy your product and get comfortable and confident about the product and how it fits into their lifestyle. Uh, just by looking at the images, okay? And that's uh, above the fold on the detail page, but also below the fold where you can create some really uh, intense and more advanced uh, content, okay? So, uh, and, and, and kind of to reinforce this point, um, mobile cons consumption on Amazon and buying is like the fastest growing consumer segment. And I don't know if you, Lance, uh, have ever looked at a product detail page on your phone, but you've got to scroll through three or four times to get past the images. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Amazon yep. is displaying is the images. And so you've got a very uh, short period of time to capture the attention of that consumer, fully explain what your product does, why it's valuable, how it's going to fit into their life uh, and get them to convert. Okay. So that's one piece is the imagery. Okay. The second piece is copyright and content. So the reason this is important uh, important is because um, uh, most of the real estate on an Amazon detail page is indexable in their search algorithm. So uh, in the in the example of trying to launch a product, you know, with a brand that has not existed before, uh, where folks aren't searching for the brand. Well, if I'm searching for uh, some generic term and I'm holding a black pen in my hand and I want to launch a new black pen, well, what is a consumer going to search for to find this black pen? So the key is identifying those search terms and then making sure that your content and your copyright is SEOable and is using those primary search terms because that's going to trigger the search algorithm at Amazon uh, to potentially uh, index your product. And so 
We want to make sure that we're SEOing the detail page right. And then once a consumer gets to the page, if you've got good content that can answer all of their questions, okay, uh, then you can create a listing that drives a high conversion rate. And, and when I talked about iterating, this is partially what I'm talking about as it relates to content is, you know, you, you might create your initial product detail page and think you've just absolutely nailed it. But if you're doing it the right way, you are constantly evaluating the productivity of the listing, uh, the conversion rate on the listing, and reading the reviews and the feedback that you're getting on the listing. Because nine times out of 10, what we see is the reviews uh, are questions uh, or reviewing the FAQ. These are questions that should be answered in the bullet points, uh, in the product description, in the digital content. Uh, that's what drives conversion is, is cutting through and answering the, the consumer's questions as concisely and qu as quickly as possible. So a lot of times we have to iterate, you know, maybe we missed something uh, in our spin up and our research that needs to be addressed and we'll change a title. We'll change a bullet. We'll, we'll create a new image. No, that makes sense. And the beautiful thing is you're getting that feedback so quickly that you can keep iterating. Yeah, um, it's a, it, you know, there's a relationship with the consumer and that, that feedback loop, uh, constantly evaluating it and closing it is, is valuable. So you have to use the data. So when you're looking at putting together a listing, you know, we'll just take the photography and how much do you think a good listing should cost to create, right? That new brand trying to put some parameters around, um, you know, we need three months to six months of ad buying in the keyword. And that's probably dependent on how competitive the keyword is. But when we're looking just the photography for it, um, again, that moat element, what, what do you think it costs to make a good listing? Oh, so that's a good question, Lance. So just from a, a straight photography standpoint, I mean, we have a bunch of photographers that we use and, you know, they'll charge anywhere between 100 and 500 bucks a pic, a picture. Uh, and you want to find somebody that understands the requirements. But, you know, I guess the, the average Amazon detail page gives you like seven options for photos. So seven ads, seven, seven photo slots. So, you know, uh, if you do the math and we use the high number, 500 bucks a photo, um, times seven, you know, you're at 3,500 bucks. If you want to create some infographs that require some design work, it might be more than that. If you want to create a product video, uh, you know, you're going to pay extra. So I'd say anywhere from, you know, a thousand bucks to 5,000 bucks, if you're starting from scratch and you've got no content is probably reasonable, uh, which does not include any sort of advertising spend. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that it's just, you know, not all keywords cost the same amount. There's probably some hyper, hyper competitive categories and some that aren't quite as much. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, the strategies differ as well. So we might, depending upon what you're trying to accomplish, you might not want to go after those, those hyper competitive keywords, even though you're competing in that space. We might want to target more longer tail or tertiary search terms because we think we have a higher chance of, of converting. Uh, and we've seen that happen is, is tricking the search algorithm, uh, converting at a much higher level on longer tail or tertiary search terms and kind of backdooring our way into ranking for these primary terms that were 10 times more expensive. So wow. depends on the tolerance of the brand, what the strategy is, the level of resources they have on tap. Um, 
and you know that's what we do we help we help define all of that because we've done it for so long uh and we've got tools to supply us with the information so speaking of the algorithm i think that um you know really the as you were talking earlier it just reminded me of adwords and i know google shopping is still very relevant and still a big thing but yeah with that quantity of commercial searches um you know amazon's role as a search engine is just huge right so you know if if you're going to break down i don't know if they publish their algorithm more than google does but you know if you're going to break down a little bit around the amazon algorithm what factors have you seen um that influence ranking and and is there a factor that's just head and shoulders more important than the other ones yeah so so the the algorithm um they don't publish it's actually a separate entity inside of amazon that's called the it's called the a9 algorithm and it's actually a separate team um and they don't publish it okay so everything i'm telling you is just based on what we've learned um and the the two biggest factors uh are um the single biggest is relevancy Okay, so and you got to think about this through the Amazon lens. Their goal, Amazon's singular goal, is to provide the best customer experience for the prime consumer. Okay, Um, and the way they do that, there's a lot of ways they do that. You know, they provide amazing fulfillment and and assortment and options of pricing. Uh, But the other way is through through relevancy. Okay, so if I'm searching for a, a a multicolored pen for my for my daughter and the search bar well the search algorithm has to display the most relevant um product options for for me as a consumer Um, i don't want to sift through pages and pages until i find the right item Um, so if amazon can properly display the most relevant product for that given search term uh, that provides the best customer experience. And so for us, you know, one of the key elements is relevancy. Is our product relevant for the search term that we're going after? And if it is, we want to we uh, spend some time on it. Uh, the other key factor is conversion rates. Okay. If, again, if you can if tell Amazon search algorithm that your product uh, has a high conversion rate, and a, a higher chance that a consumer, once they click on it, is going to buy the product. Uh, well, that tells them that you've got a relevant item that is going to make that customer happy. Uh, and so they're going to display your product higher up in search results. So those are those are really the, the two key big factors that come to mind um, if, if it's, as it relates to search. If we And again, it just goes back to the core. Like, can you create good products that people like? with good listings, with a high conversion rate, if you can do all that, you can be successful. Um, they don't just, they don't, they don't let you peek under the hood, but we've seen those are the two biggest factors that, that drive placement on the platform. So speaking of conversion rate, you know, what are some conversion rates you expect to see? Like, let's, let's take a product, obviously price impacts that a whole lot. We'll say um, you got a 20 to $50 product. You know, what are you, how do you benchmark what a decent conversion rate is in that category? Uh, that's a very loaded question. Uh, <laughs> and, and it depends on uh, product category. Um, and Lance, I, I got to be honest with you. I would really want to 
dig in with my my team to get you a better answer. I don't want to make it up. Like we've got so many products and so many clients and the conversion rates vary uh, across the board. Um, so I would prefer to follow up with you and give you a, a more concrete answer. No problem. We can always put in show notes. Um, so that makes total sense. Oh, wait, hold on. One, now, Lance, one second. My, okay. Kristen ran out and my, my uh, director of uh, marketplace strategy, his name is Brian Martinez, who's brilliant, said that a, a, a normal kind of target conversion rate is about 10%. Oh, cool. Wow. That's just so high compared to, you know, your own Shopify store or something. 10%. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. But it varies. You know, some categories are sure. far lower and, and some are much higher. So it just depends. Sure, sure. No, that's, um, but that's interesting for context that you just have a, a big spread, but still, I mean, if somebody's on Amazon for a commercial search, that does make sense that it would be uh, quite high. Yeah. Now, when you guys are thinking through like the tools to even assess what keywords to go after, yeah. are there any tools that you recommend or say like, oh, definitely check out this tool but maybe uh, we don't have to throw anybody under the bus but just what are the ones that you'd probably yeah um, that you guys have found a lot of value in sure so um from a channel key point of view we've developed a lot of our tools internally uh, and then they're just proprietary based on the data that we get and we aggregate and and what our knowledge base is so we've got a bunch of proprietary tools that we use to support our clients um some of the thir <clears throat> third party tools which are all really good um, some better than others. And, you know, there's at, at the root of this, okay, just know that Amazon doesn't give a ton of data away. So all these tools are pulling in uh, third-party data and, and making assumptions. So just know that whatever the data you get is going to be wrong uh, and there's going to be some deviation. Uh, but some of the third-party tools that we like, uh, we've been a fan of Jungle Scout for a period of time, for a long time. Uh, we've been a fan of Merchant Words for a long period of time. Um, we like the guys over at Seller Labs, uh, you know, Feedback Genius and Scope. Um, we're testing a new platform now called Helium 10, which uh, uh, is kind of aggregating a lot of tools together. Uh, there's honestly, there's a bunch of them out there uh, and I could keep riffing on this. There's, there's, those are a few that we like. Um, another one's Feedback Whiz. Um, there, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, for straight keyword search volume and trying to handicap the market, Helium 10 is good. Jungle Scout's good. Merchant Words is really good. That's great. It's very helpful. Where I think that, uh, you know, the, the spirit of the question is really you hit the nail on the head. If you're going to try to come in and say we're brute forcing our way into the brand yeah. uh, or into these, these keywords, which one should we go with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the key, honestly, Lance, is you got to be able to read in between the lines. Um you know, the data is there. It's raw. It's wrong. Okay. Uh, it's, 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 you know, we've seen deviations somewhere between 20 and 50% in some cases because we can test it. Like we can test the data based upon what we're seeing. Um, but you've got to be able to, to really understand it. And, and in some cases kind of read in between the lines. That makes total sense. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. So, you know, you alluded to at the beginning of the conversation um, that you know, Amazon has changed a lot. And it will keep changing. So, but you're very bullish on Amazon. So sure. let's dive into that a little bit. Now, what do you see coming down the pipe to change Amazon? Or how do you think Amazon's planning on changing things? Yeah. So um, one of the big things that we're watching 
for or watching out for right now is uh, traditionally at Amazon, if you wanted to engage with the platform, there's really two ways you would do it. Okay. One is, is you'd become a vendor of Amazon's and set up what's called a, a vendor central account or a first party account or a 1P account. There's a lot of different ways people describe it. Okay. So that's essentially a model where Amazon becomes your retailer. They're in, in, in a lot of cases sending you POs and you're shipping them product in bulk. Um, and they are the seller of record uh, on the platform. So it's ships from and sold by Amazon. If you've seen that on a on a on a product detail page before, um, so it's and it's a wholesale model, right? You're making wholesale margins. The other way is by setting up a, a seller account, okay, or a, what's called a marketplace account uh, or a seller central account, and that is a model where you are selling direct to consumer. Okay, so you can uh, either do the fulfillment directly to the consumer out of your warehouse, or you can leverage uh, one of the various fulfillment programs that Amazon has put in place. The big one is called FBA or Fulfillment by Amazon. Um, and essentially, you can sell direct to consumer, okay, make retail margins and not wholesale margins, and uh, have Amazon do the fulfillment, okay, for a fee, obviously. Um, those have been the, the two primary ways. Vendor Central and Seller Central are separate UIs, separate platforms. And traditionally at Amazon, the teams, the retail teams, which are the vendor teams or the wholesale teams, have been completely separated from the um, marketplace teams and the seller teams. There's literally like a Chinese wall in between the two. And you would go, we, you know, we visit them in Seattle on a quarterly basis. And it was very clear that the teams were separate and they didn't really communicate that closely together. So, um, you know, there are brands that are vendors and sellers. In a lot of cases, you know, Amazon wouldn't even kind of pull in that data and those teams wouldn't be communicating to each other. So, so one of the big things that we're watching is um, the consolidation of the, the, the retail and marketplace teams inside of Amazon uh, under a single org and the eventual launching of a program that people are calling one vendor. Um, and I don't know if that's the right name. I mean, there's been no official kind of announcement from Amazon, but it's, you know, a lot of kind of noise. And essentially what we're hearing they're going to do is consolidate Vendor Central and Seller Central into a single UI platform uh, where, you know, our clients and all brands that are selling through are going to have to operate on. Okay. So there's a, a lot of implications to that. And in the last few weeks, uh, there's been some announcements that we've uh, uh, seen and, and, and observations that we've made of our clients on the platform. And I've, I've done some speaking about this. And, you know, there were some articles written where we, where we talked about this is uh, Amazon has pretty much overnight in a lot of cases. Uh, and they've, they've walked this back, but they shut down their vendor relationships. Okay. So, you know, brand X uh, as of Friday was doing, you know, a certain amount of wholesale volume with Amazon. Uh, and then that following Monday, Amazon basically shut their business down and that was no longer sending them POs and essentially said, if you want to become a, if you want to maintain your Amazon business, you have to become a seller. Okay. And no longer be a vendor. Um, and the implications behind that are, in, are significant in a lot of cases if the brands aren't prepared. So, there's just different operational requirements, infrastructure requirements. It's a whole separate platform and UI. So 
that was uh, one of the first big moves that we saw that we think are pointing towards this one vendor concept uh, rolling out sometime in the next 90 to 180 days. So we're watching that closely. So <clears throat> essentially, uh, they could force vendors to become sellers. Uh, and the opposite could be true. They could force sellers to become vendors. Okay. So there's a control element that Amazon continues to maintain. And what we're seeing is they only want to buy the inventory and have vendors of the highest uh, uh, selling, most high volume, most strategic vendors. And everybody else are pushing towards becoming a seller. But there are a lot of sellers that have big, high volume businesses as well that we think they're going to push uh, to become vendors and force them to do so, which uh, has a lot of implications. So that's one of the big things we're seeing um, as it relates to. And, and, and before I jump, Lance, you got any follow up questions on that one? Yeah, just, you know, with that notion of making a seller become a vendor um, and the the impact that would have on margins is the first thing that comes to mind. So, you know, if that happened, what would that mean to a business who is a seller doing, you know, $10 million a year in revenue uh, and then expect to become a vendor? Yeah. So good question. Okay. And now this varies and is dependent upon a lot of different factors, but when running a mar a side-by-side -side margin analysis on Amazon, factoring in fees between a wholesale and a, and a retail business in a lot of cases, uh, as a, as a retailer, you're doubling your, your gross margin dollar on, on every single transaction, okay? So theoretically, if, if Amazon forces your hand to become a vendor, you might lose half your profitability. Wow. That's a big step. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the other big factors is you lose an element of control as well. So um, the moment you decide to sell your products to Amazon or they force you to uh, become a vendor – they are, in essence, in control of your brand. Uh, they can control your pricing. Okay, so the retail, literally, the retail price point, they control that. Um, and so, you know, if you want to try and mitigate channel conflict, and we've had a lot of clients that are trying to do this, you know, an example would be uh, a customer or a client that sells products into Nordstrom, but also sells on Amazon. Well, they want their products to be priced, they want price parity. Right. They don't want Amazon to sell below Nordstrom because that upsets Nordstrom uh, and it creates channel conflict. And so we've had a lot of clients that that prefer the seller model because they can control their own pricing. And the moment you become a vendor, you don't control that. Uh, Amazon is an automated pricing algorithm and they scrape the Internet and they'll match the lowest landed price. And you can't control that. Uh, so that's another big, a big uh, implication there. Yeah, that, that does sound like a big deal. Wow. So there's one trend that um, something to watch out on. Anything else that you see coming down the pipe where you go, this could be a big deal for yeah. Amazon? Yeah, yeah. there's a couple topics. Uh, one is the advertising business. This thing is just exploding um, and it's going to continue to explode. The ad, the ad business for them is not going anywhere and uh, they're putting a lot of force behind it. And so um, I guess what we're watching out for is new ad units, new ad programs that will continue to evolve. Uh, mobile and video advertising is coming, uh, if not already in place. Um, and just the idea that Amazon is a pay-to-play platform is real, okay? Not going anywhere. 
and the fees to advertise are going to continue to go up. Okay. And a data point that we pulled is uh, uh, from Q4 to Q4, from 2017 to 2018, we saw the average bid amount on a keyword go up 20%. Oh, wow. Well, and the, you know, this goes back to that virtual shelf space analogy, right? Where That's right. People are, if more brands want to get on Amazon and there's no increase in available space on the top like there's only three top listings just by definition that's right and so man yeah that that makes sense it's kind of like the facebook ad load that we've seen happen yeah and 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 the the ui and the interface and the ease of spending the dollar uh is getting continually better and they're pushing it so you know four or five years ago it was in beta there's no competition you could crush it on advertising and not spend a lot of money but just with the adoption of more intelligent brands um, and the ease of, of using the tools uh, and the, the ad units they continue to roll out, it's just going to get more and more competitive. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Wow. Now, um, one of the things I like to just get a gauge on categories for, kind of what categories you're excited about. So if you had to start a brand tomorrow, yeah. you know, or you had to invest in a brand tomorrow, you couldn't pick the product. You could only pick the category. Yeah. Um, what category would you go into and, and why would that be an exciting category? It's a good question. I, I, my, my answer is uh, probably CPG right now. Um, what we're seeing is there's, um, it feels like CPG is less um, defined on Amazon and it's, it's, it's a little more open, wide open. Um, you know, the adoption of consumers buying groceries on the platform, uh, I think is a little far behind or further behind than somebody that wants to buy a pair of shoes or uh, a baby blanket or you know or a or a hoodie. And so, it feels like there's some room and opportunity for CPG brands to perform. And, and additionally, you know, the infrastructure of buying groceries as it relates to buying products on Amazon specifically is getting better. Uh, and the blended kind of mindset and network of brick and mortar and, and marketplace, I think, is, is getting more substantial. And so it, it feels to me like CPG is a, a, a growing uh, category with a lot of room, a lot of opportunity. And there are some really nice tool sets available on Amazon to create some continuity around, uh, you know, continual adoption of your product and, and, and repeat purchasing. So that would be my answer, CPG. That's a, a cool answer. Yeah. It, you know, wow. and another, and I'm sorry, Lance, I haven't just another. Go for it. Yeah, jump in. And this is kind of another topic, like one of the other big trends we're watching is Amazon B2B, okay, is a um, another 10 plus billion dollar business unit inside of Amazon that I don't think anybody is talking about. And they are coming on hard and fast and B2B is a separate platform um, for business consumers where you can go and buy products in bulk and get volume pricing discounts and, you know, do some of the more traditional business buying activities, um, you know, like invoicing, and they're, they're just making it more relevant to business consumers. They're connecting with 
some major uh, ERP and buying uh, systems and platforms. So, you know, schools and hospitals can buy their supplies through Amazon and get, you know, volume pricing and negotiated pricing. I think that is an enormous trend that nobody is talking about. So another category of products that I would consider launching are, are B2B products. That sounds phenomenal. And then what's the converse, right? What are some of the trends that, um, you know, that you really have to protect the downside on in the coming you know, two, three years? Uh, you're saying like product categories or just uh, trends? In- I mean, yeah. Well, well, we'll stick with the categories of things that are really, um, they're categories that just seem to be getting more competitive or, they're, you know, it's not getting any easier uh, to be inside those categories. Yeah. The, what jumps to my mind, and we're seeing a lot of this, is um, it's a, and it's a really tough environment to play in, and there's not a whole lot of regulation. Uh, is supplements? Okay. Supplements we found to be challenging for various reasons. It's hot, it's a very high margin business for the manufacturers, uh, so it's it's very competitive. Uh, the advertising. Uh, requirements and competition is significant and the you know bid amounts are high and there's a ton of competition and there's a ton of noise and there's not a lot of FDA regulation so you know it's it's and there's a ton of me too items so it's it's that's a challenging category uh, that if I were to launch I have you know a product I probably wouldn't touch it on Amazon on Amazon I'm not saying it's not a good category but Amazon it's it's a very challenging one yeah, no, that makes total sense. Wow. Well, any other uh, final thoughts or questions I didn't ask you that you know you just think people should know about Amazon today and where it's going? Um, you know, some of the um, there's been some news lately about like Elizabeth Warren, you know, has made a statement that she wants to break up some of these these big tech companies, um, and you know, because they're monopolies or in this case, Amazon is a monopoly. And I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, there's just so much value creation for the consumer that's happening on the platform that that doesn't necessarily scare me at all. And I told you I'm bullish on Amazon and that's part of the equation too, is, you know, uh, could, could uh, the, the political environment get to a point where it puts the, the business in jeopardy? I'm sure it could, but from a monopolistic standpoint, like I'm not worried about that. Uh, there's just so much adoption, too much consumerism uh, happening, and too much value being created for customers uh, that I don't think Amazon's going anywhere. Um, it's always going to change, um, but at the end of the day, uh, they create value for customers, um, and it's easier for for families to to shop and buy products and save time and manage their hectic uh, schedules and lifestyle. Uh, and Amazon supports that, so. Um, I guess my general feedback is, you know, um, stay bullish on Amazon. I know I am uh, from a business standpoint, but also from just a straight investment standpoint. I like what they're doing. Uh, they are aggressive. And if you've got a high margin business, they're they're going to look at it and they might come after it. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, if you're a brand, get on the platform, leverage it, utilize it the right way. Uh, and I don't think it's going anywhere. Great, great word. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Just uh, really exciting, Dan, to hear about you know your your views and experience on Amazon and kind of bring another perspective. So, thanks a lot, Lance. 
appreciate it. Uh, and uh, uh, let us know if you need anything in the future. Sounds great.